Blackwater, The Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, The Flying Tigers, The Swiss Guard, The White Company, The Knights Templar, The Varangian Guard, Clerkus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, Guns for Hire, Soldiers of Fortune, Private Military Companies, Private Security Contractors, Dirty Deeds, <laughs> Not So Dirt Cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time, and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. And like it or not, wars are good, very good for business. Furthermore, history tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means as greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny than by any other means. So choose the red pill, remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State. I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or as some call it, an austere or a non-permissive environment. Well, it is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good and some not so good. All in all though, private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. The MENA region, or the Middle East North Africa region. Lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones and the ancient ones. Myths, legends, folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the MENA region. That's right, the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. Okay, folks, that said, thank you again for tuning in to this episode of Aconis, The Contractor's Life. So, in the previous episode, uh, and I think I've mentioned this uh, a number of times, I alluded to or stated that uh, I was going to transition to the country of Iraq um, and then talk about you know, going back to Afghanistan. And, and <laughs> maybe there's some confusion because you're, some of you are probably asking, like, wait a minute, aren't you already in Afghanistan? Uh, yeah, so remember, I started out uh, earlier in my overseas career and then uh, after that went to Iraq and then after that went to Afghanistan went back to Iraq and then ultimately concluded culminating <laughs> in the country of Afghanistan so um, yeah so you know gonna pretty much put a wrap on that one transition back to Iraq um, and then some of it I've already talked about 
and discussed. Uh, but go through that again fairly briefly and then swap back to Afghanistan where I spent um, a good portion of time there. Uh, so for those that have been listening for a while, so in the first season, it was mostly interviews with, with other private security contractors. Season two had a fair amount of that. Started transitioning and doing things differently with a different format. Um, and that's kind of where I started this, uh, oh, let's call it uh, the storyboard version of it. In other words, trying to get everything uh, from start to finish, kind of like a timeline. And so that's what I've been doing. And I'm going to try to finish that. Well, actually, I will. I'll finish it out. And then uh, probably season four at some point, earlier or at some point in season four, is probably where end up going back and talking about specific recollections that were either lost or muddled, weren't recalled during the first few seasons. Um, and then how this podcast will, will morph and, trans, and change and transition from that point, time will tell. But that said, uh, again, and uh, I was going to say hopefully for the last time, I don't think it's going to be the last time, there is an awful lot, I mean just a lot, that goes into uh, making a overseas or OCONUS private security contractor career. Uh, whether that career is two or three years or it's seven or ten years or 20 years. Uh, but there's just an awful lot that goes into it. And I've talked about this briefly in the past uh, on a number of occasions. You know, the things that really, really help uh, get you established or get you your foot in the door, your first start. And, and that's a lot of times... Uh, some would say most of the time, a background in the U.S. Armed Forces or the Armed Forces in any other country. Uh, again, which country and which uh, Armed Forces you served with, uh, a lot that just depends on the end client and the sourcing contract. You know, and by that I mean uh, who's sourcing it. Is it a foreign government? Is it an American government? Uh, so a lot of it those particulars comes down to that contract particulars. The hiring managers and the recruiters, particularly the recruiters will usually the first people you talk with, those people would be the ones that would give you the, you know, they would fill in the blanks and the gaps where whatever it is you read online or in an email didn't answer those questions. The recruiter then can answer those questions. So a background in the military is very helpful particularly in a combat arms MOS. So now we're talking specifically about that narrow niche, that 10% roughly, the uh, group of people that comprises the contracting community. Okay, So private security contractors, where you're actually going to be doing security. Okay, So military background in a combat arms MOS, MOS is, is a, you know, you, you pretty much got to have that. Uh, now, can it be law enforcement? Again, yes, it can. It just depends on the particulars and the requirements of the contract, both the clients, the stakeholders, the sourcing um, agency. Uh, so a lot of that just boils down to that. 
A lot of other things that help is proficiency in firearms. Now, you don't have to be well-versed with all platforms across the board, uh, but proficiency with uh, the pistol and, and the rifle, particularly in the semi-automatic realm. Those are crucial because you're almost always going to have one, the other, and frequently both. Um, again, it just depends on the contract. So by proficiency, I don't mean that you stand in your backyard or you go to the dumpster range or the gravel pit and you stand X number of feet, yards, or meters from a target and you know you spill a thousand rounds into the static target. Uh, for the most part, I mean, that plays an element. But as I've talked about before, and I'll just mention again briefly, there is almost no end to the number of target training scenarios that you can go through uh, that will help you become very proficient because you've got to be able to, well, <clears throat> you know, in uh, military parlance, you've got to be able to shoot, move, and communicate. And you've got to do this stuff without choking and freezing. And it's got to be just natural. And when I say natural, I mean it just has to occur. You have to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And being familiarized with weapons platforms is helpful. Now, again, as a private security contractor, most of the time it's just going to be your rifle and your pistol. The times that you come up with the other stuff, the heavy stuff, the big guns, is usually like if you're in a fixed position, like a tower, for example. Other things <clears throat> that are important that we've talked about before that are <clears throat> very important, um, and, and we've talked about, like, for example, your mindset. <clears throat> and people don't always agree on what mindset means. But in your mindset, things like, are you adaptable? And by that, I mean, so can you, within a fairly short notice, a period of short notice, say three days to five days, maybe a week, uh, can you get everything you need, get to the airport, Get on that flight, get to where your drop-off point is, and then hook up with whoever you're hooking up, wherever you're hooking up, and, you know, start your job. And can you do that independently on your own with little guidance and little direction? I mean, you're going to know where you need to start, where you need to end, and you're going to have your itinerary, and you're going to have the information you need, but do you have the ability to be able to get where you need to go without uh, sending a bunch of text messages and email messages and phone calls. Because once you leave your home country, wherever that is, and here, let's say America, okay, everything changes, okay? Uh, yeah, most cell providers still provide you unlimited text messages and, and to some extent data. But phone calls uh, get pretty expensive. So there's other things that we'll talk about that, you know, like, you know, having a Skype phone number or, you know, there's no shortage of digital um, conferencing software out there that people use, Zoom and, and, and other things that you can do that are basically data driven so that you don't have to rely upon that. But a lot of times you just end up having to get a SIM card. And a lot of times we buy what's called a burner phone and and lock our SIM cards in there. And... Again, it just depends on the project and where you're at and certain particulars, but you might even have a burner SIM, <laughs> okay? It may not even be properly registered. 
Just saying, okay? Um, there's things that, you know, again, it just depends on things and, and how much, quote-unquote, secrecy there needs to be behind what you're doing. So mindset, adaptability. So once you're there, you've got to be able to, you know, you've got to be able to think for yourself. You've got to be critically thinking. You've got to be able to think outside the box. And you've got to be able to interpret fairly quickly what somebody's true intent or motives are behind what they're saying or talking to you about. So having really good listening skills is very important. Looking people in the eye, and, and maybe even sometimes piercingly so, but that, that's, a, that's huge. That's a big key difference. All these, there's so many subtleties that go into traversing uh, contracts, jobs, countries, whatever, that either you, you, it's almost like an expedited process. It's like, wow, that was easy. That was quick to, holy shit, why did I do this? I should have stayed home, <laughs> you know, where, um, so th there's just so many things that go into it. And, you know, honestly, a lot of it, um, you can't be taught. I mean, you can be taught, but a lot of it is just learned on the fly. You f learn it, you figure it out as you're going, as you're getting through it. And the more you do it, the quicker, easier, and smoother it becomes to the point where, you know, it just kind of comes natural to you. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. And as I've talked about before, fitness, physical fitness is really a big 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 player in this and i think a lot of times it you know as, we, as i've said before and it's been brought up and discussed with people i haven't met anybody regardless of what they physically look like who doesn't think that they aren't fit that they aren't capable just like i've said i have yet to meet anybody in any profession um, but particularly in the security industry where they didn't think that they weren't a professional that's just you know but the physical fitness thing because you'd be amazed when you're in certain environments whether it's really cold or it's very hot and you're in that every day for months at a time you know until you get the swing shift or the swing change you know when when the seasons change and you know you got to transition into the new weather but you'd be amazed if you haven't been involved, if it hasn't happened to you, when you get into a fight, whether it's a fist fight or a gun fight or anything else, you might be amazed to find out how quickly you tire out if you're not used to it, if you haven't practiced it, if you haven't done it, if you're not fit. I can tell you on a number of occasions, and I don't know what that number is, but you know, a number of occasions where, for example, the various contortions you go through as you're moving, climbing, dropping, running, whatever you're doing. I've had bruises on my body from the flexibility thing, the flex, you know, and, and the contortions you go through to maneuver from my kit um, as, as I'm doing things because you, I'm so focused in the moment on what's happening, what's going on, that I just move through it. I push through it. I don't even think about it. Um, once in a while, I might go, oh, hey, but when I'm all done and you take the stuff off, uh, and uh, I suppose a good example uh, of, of many, and this is something that, that's kind of a recollection thing that will, again, my recollections thing will begin in earnest in the next season. But for example, 
one iteration in particular in a what you want to call a CQB or a room entry thing uh, during uh, WPS instruction train up stuff. Um, come around a corner in the hallway and opening fire using sim rounds, of course, on the person at the end of the hallway in a room with the door open who was shooting back at me. Um, and, you know, we, we fought through this. We, we finished the iteration. Um, and thankfully, it was just sim rounds. Did I feel them hitting? Yeah, I did, but it wasn't nearly as it would have been had I not been so focused on the moment and, and moved through it. Um, but yeah, I did feel them. And I think the, the one that was the most damaging was probably the one in the thigh. And then there was another one um, that was somewhere in the abdomen area. So in real life, I probably uh, would I have gone down or would I have fought through it and needed, you know, serious medical aid when I was done? Probably. Uh, but my point is, is that we went through this whole thing, this whole evolution. I remember looking down at my trousers where that had hit, and I thought, well, that's a strange-looking spot. Get back to our room at the end of the day. You know, I'm getting ready for the shower. It's like, oh, nice. I mean, it was a big old welt. It was a big bruise, and it had pierced the skin. It had cut the skin. It was bleeding. Um, so I'm just saying that, you know, fortunately, again, it was just Sims. But that's what I'm talking about when I talk about being focused and having the proper mindset and being physically fit so you can clamber and, and maneuver and do all the things you need to do and just focus and drive through whatever is going on. Because that's, you know, I mean, are there projects where, you know, it's wash, rinse, repeat, you know, and some people might call it boring. And yeah, but it's, it's like a lot of stuff in the military or private security contracting where you might have a few moments, some might, you know, sometimes a few hours, um, where sheer adrenaline excitement and then you've got weeks or months where it's kind of like okay um so the dopamine is wore off now what um you know and and there are places not so much now but there are places still where you might get that on a weekly basis okay and i know that there were times when that occurred when i was working there so there's just an awful lot that goes into it and and the longer you're in it, the more exposure you're going to have to the quality and the types of instruction and training that, that you need. Uh, but again, there's no reason you can't go and do it on your own dime, whether you're in the industry or not, and then take what you've been taught, what you've learned, and go out and practice it and try to perfect it. Uh, so that's kind of what I mean by mindset in this industry. So anyway, so, you know, Put a wrap on this part of my time in Afghanistan, uh, then move into Iraq um, and, you know, maybe end up talking a little bit about some of the stuff I've already talked about that particular isolated time in history uh, with my time back in Iraq and before I move back into Afghanistan. And then again, we'll come full circle and start stitching everything together with uh, episodes of Recollections and, and and the sort so that said i uh would like to thank you thank everyone for taking time out of your day afternoon or evening to listen to me talk about private security contracting 
overseas as well as some of my experiences on occasion from time to time as a private security contractor uh, here in the States. Um, thank you uh, to my wife, for whom I owe immeasurable gratitude. Thank you to my family, my friends, and all the people, male and female, who have been and still are a part of my life. Remember, folks, it takes a team. It really does. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Stay humble, stay safe, and keep others safe by being aware and staying frosty. And until next time, keep it real. Oconus the Contractor's Life extends a special thank you to music composer Kava Cohen and to Colin Perry of Ninja Tracks for allowing Oconus the Contractor's Life the use of Kava's song, Heavy Clutch, from the music soundtrack to the game Forza Motorsport 7. And also, a big thank you to Andres Rodriguez, who can be found at the Fiverr website for his excellent original music scores.